This episode of EMS One Stop is brought to you by Lexapol, the experts in policy, training, wellness support and grants assistance for first responders and government leaders. To learn more, visit lexapol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L dot com. Hello and welcome back to another edition of EMS One Stop. I'm your host, Rob Lawrence. And hey, don't forget that you can now either watch this podcast or listen to it. We have both video and audio. What's the difference? Well, if you are watching, you can see some of the images that we put on the screen to uh, to help tell the story. Uh, otherwise, if you're listening to us on the platform with which you're listening to us on, um, Amazon Music, etc., then we're just in audio. So uh, you can consume the program in any which way you choose. So on to today's show. Um, last year, I uh, talked about am- I talked about ambulances for Ukraine, and uh, my guest then as is my guest today, and I'd like to welcome back Chris Manson. Chris, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me back. So Chris represents Ambulances for Ukraine. Um, way back when, uh, hopefully we helped you kind of get uh, the program uh, going, certainly spread the word, and it's grown. But before we get into that, just give us a little bit of a backstory. Take us right back to the beginning, Chris. What's really motivated you to do it? And of course, how has it gone since then? Yeah, sure. Um, so back in uh, February of 22, when the full-scale invasion of uh, Russia or full-scale invasion of Ukraine by Russia kicked off. Um, like probably many people, I'd watch the news every night, see see what was going on. And um, at the time I was watching the news, my my seven-year-old daughter would watch with me. And I'd try and turn the channel as quickly as I could if some disturbing images came up here or there. But my, my uh, daughter, uh, pretty sharp, she was able to pick up on what was going on. And she could, you know, she could sense the suffering and the misery. And, um, you know, and, and I don't know what images exactly triggered her but at some point um she just looked to me and said hey dad is there something we can do to help the people in ukraine and um and that again that was like end of february early march and about that time we started seeing images of some of these mass casualty events where you'd have a a bus station um hit by a missile or artillery or something or a train station and you'd see people being loaded up as quickly as possible wounded persons in any kind of vehicle that they could uh, find. And, and oftentimes you'd see them loading them up in like kind of like a, um, a FedEx bus, or I think they're like a DHL type um, yellow van is what I, it still sticks out of my head seeing that. It just had a red cross literally just painted on it with some red paint. And you, you know they opened the doors, they throw, started throwing victims in the back of the, uh, the bus or the van to get them out of there. And just a bare floor. And I, and I was thinking about that. I mean, I, I work in healthcare. I used to be in the fire service. Um, and I thought, you know, gosh, there's got to be a better way to, 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 to do this. And I know they were, they were hurting for vehicles. So kind of landed on the idea of, well, maybe I, we could find an ambulance, one ambulance, get it filled full of supplies from my employer. Like I said, I work in healthcare and we could somehow get it over to Ukraine. And that, that was kind of the initial idea. Um, and lo and behold, um, and I'll tell you, I, I've come to love the um, EMS community. Again, I, I, I come from the fire side of things as, as a firefighter, a volunteer firefighter. But I'll tell you, um, you know, my first call to it was to a, a local ambulance provider in, in Illinois, in Peoria, where I live. And I explained my crazy idea and said, hey, you know, any chance you think you could help out? And I was waiting for all kinds of excuses why they wouldn't be able to help out or Maybe like, oh, well, let's think about it or whatever. And the only answer I got 
um, was, what do you need, gas or diesel? And it was from there, um, you know, my daughter's question, and then uh, uh, Andrew Rands of uh, Central uh, AMT of Central Illinois, those two questions that really U.S. Ambulances for Ukraine was born. And um, we got the ambulance, we got the supplies, and uh, after a little bit of legwork, we got that first ambulance on an airplane um, on March 29th, and it was off to uh, Europe and then into Ukraine. Well, and I'm going to ask one of those elephant in the room questions just to get us going. Of course, when we broadcast our, our first meeting, one of the questions we had was, well, hang on a second, we can't get enough ambulances here in the U.S. Why on earth would we give them away? So would you care to re-answer that question for me, Chris? Yeah, and I'll, I'll even expand the question to ambulances, fire engines, um, SUVs, which I'll be talking about a little bit later. Um, the vehicles that I'm that I'm asking for that I'm getting from uh, EMS providers or fire departments or different municipalities um, or even law enforcement law enforcement community, community in the United States these are end of life vehicles so these vehicles the ambulances that I'm sending over oftentimes have 250,000 miles on them um, uh, they're at their end of life um, <laughs> I've had a few people that have driven vehicles with me. They're like, wow, the steering was a little loose in that one. The steering's <laughs> loose in all of them. I mean, these, again, they're, they're well-maintained. Like any of our emergency vehicles are, they have their daily right. inspections, their weekly inspections, but they're at their end of their life. And so the option is these are going to be either surplused. They're going to be parted out. They're going to sit in the back field of a, of a provider somewhere. Um, they're going to be sold to someone that's going to try and turn it into a camper or something or they can give them to me and I can get them over to uh, Ukraine and I can get them into the battlefield and, and get them on the battlefield and their, their second life, their last life will have additional meaning and actually save some lives. And that's, and that's kind of what we're doing here. Right. And we'll talk about on the battlefield in a minute, but uh, just kind of advancing the story, obviously uh, you had some great donations. Um, I had the opportunity to be in Richmond, Virginia, was, was was visiting my old colleagues there and actually got to sign the side of the ambulance as it was being packaged off with a full load of uh, uh, generously gen uh, donated uh, stocks and supplies as well from the local hospital systems. Um, uh, but that was just one. So what are the stats right now what, what are you up to yeah and i think at that point that might have been we might have been at 18 so you know march 29th we did our first one i think when i met you we were kind of putting together the the shipment for our eight we're getting to get to the number 18 i think we we're at we had 11 at the time we we're this was part of like seven more so we're gonna be 18 we're excited about that i'm happy to report now we have 38 ambulances currently in ukraine well we've delivered 38 to ukraine we have six fire engines in ukraine and we're about ready to work, we're working on another shipment for July. And we have um, at a minimum 12 ambulances. Uh, we think we have two fire engines and we have uh, several SUVs. So we, we have hit our 50 ambulance mark. Um, we think we're gonna be about eight fire engines and we'll probably be like said five or more SUVs. That's tremendous. Now there's yeah. a bit of a logistical challenge here because there's there's a bit of a bit of a pond called the Atlantic Ocean between us and them. Then you've got to get through mainland Europe to get into yeah. the you know the far far excesses of uh, of you know of the European continent. So how do the logistics work? Are you just throwing them all on a plane? You can't put a you can't put mm -hmm. a quint or a fire truck or an engine or a pump or a tender on a on a plane. I mean, how does it work? <laughs> well, the, the, I'll tell you. Uh, you, you, you or can you? you? Uh -huh. for, for, for the most part, you are right. We've, we've put five ambulances on aircraft. In the beginning, we had some donations um, that were sending a bunch of medical supplies over. And because of the need for ambulances, they made room 
um, on these 747s for some of these ambulances. These were more that uh, Ford 350 van kind of style that would fit right. in 747. Um, after that, a lot of the ambulances we got were just too large for a 747. So, and to your question about, you know, can certain fire engines, um, really, we, we got to the point where the only kind of aircraft that would work for us would either be a, uh, a US C-5, C-17, so two different military aircraft, or a, a Ukrainian um, Antonov-124, largest aircraft, right now largest aircraft in the world. Um, but those are far and few in between, and I've had no luck with our military, you know, if you ever think there's some bureaucracy, try dealing with their, uh, and I, I used to be in the Marines, so I, I, I say this from past experience, but now I really can say it, try dealing with the, the, uh, the bureaucracy of the military, trying to get someone to see, yeah, okay, you can do something like this. So, which is fine. What we did is we pivoted to roll on, roll off ships, and it actually has worked out quite well. I can get, uh, I'm partnered with the, uh, a group called the UA Resistance Foundation. I've also got help from the Ukrainian consulate uh, out of Chicago. And basically, if someone donates an ambulance, an SUV, um, or a, um, a fire engine, we can pick it up anywhere in the United States. We get it to a couple different staging locations, either in Chicago or in Virginia. We get the vehicles prepped. Um, the vehicles are already operational, but like we put other supplies on them, or if someone's put supplies on them, we'll make sure everything's good to go. Um, and then we basically get it to, to the a port on the East Coast. We get it. We they get driven out of a ship. Um, they take about two weeks to cross the Atlantic. They get to uh, Hamburg, Germany. And then from there, we truck them from there to our staging location in Poland. And then um, I'll take a team of Americans, Polish, and Ukrainians um, to, to our staging location in Poland, which is about an hour and a half from the border. We'll meet up at the vehicles, double check them, fix anything that's, that's broken, um, make sure everything's running, and uh, we'll get escorted to the border. And we'll drive those vehicles in. And then we just kind of crisscross Ukraine um, dropping off ambulances, fire engines, and supplies, medical and fire, all along the way, all over the country, and we just basically deliver vehicles as we're going through. But that's and that's still quite the the, the road drive from from the port in Germany through Germany into Poland, and then eventually escorted into into the Ukraine. And so you know you you got what is that a thousand miles or so? Yeah, I mean, so like they're trucked from Hamburg to Poland, but we put like this last I've driven fire engines now. I've done five trips. The last two trips, I've driven fire engines in, um, and I'll tell you, those are some, those are some hard, hard miles. I, you know, I, I have a lot of I have a lot of respect for the guys that um, you know. I, I've been on a couple strike teams, and I've got to just sit in the back because <laughs> I've gone on a strike team in California, and now I have to worry about the driving. But after putting like 700 miles on a fire engine for a, for a drive, um, you know, there's, sometimes there's some hard miles, but it's, it, it depends on where we're going. But to where we've gone, it's 770 miles worth of uh, driving when all said and done. Now, a question I asked last time, and I'll ask it again before we get into sort of in, into into the uh, Ukraine itself. That uh, I kind of quipped last time, if you remember, Chris. Well, why don't you just put one of those Apple trackers on so you can keep an eye on what these vehicles are up to? And again, you had a great answer, which I'd like you to repeat for if we have any uh, new listeners that haven't heard uh, you yeah. speak before. Yeah, no, we um, we trackers are, are are definitely a no go. Um, we are um, always concerned about. Um, being a target um the reality of it is um and we're this last convoy we were 16 vehicles and we took some steps to go ahead and and, and minimize the risk um but the, you know the reality is the the russians during this conflict have targeted uh first responders in fact it's one of the things they like to do though the um maybe not necessarily a convoy but when it comes to uh they might shell an area or they might you know um, cause havoc in an area with a some sort of military strike 
and then they'll wait for the first responders to respond. And when they do, they target them. So, um, you know, once you cross, once you cross that border into Ukraine, you're fair game for either a drone strike or a missile strike. So we try to take all precautions that we possibly can to minimize the risk. So no trackers. No, no, no trackers, no trackers. So let's let's fast forward. Then we've crossed the border. You've got uh, fifty plus vehicles uh, over there right now. Um, you know how are they distributed? Because I know that you'd said before we started recording, some are with civilian emergency services, and actually some have gone to the military. So how have they been yeah. distributed? Yeah, you know, um, one of the things. So we've got right now. We've got we've got thirty eight ambulances, and we've got six fire engines, and we've got a utility vehicle over there in country right now. And before, and like I said, I've got, I've got these, this, I've got a shipment of about 20 vehicles right now that I'm, I'm prepping for July. And this is, and it kind of demonstrates on how things work. Um, people that I know in Ukraine, they know what I'm doing. They know what's going on. So I will literally get, there's a couple different ways. The military reaches out to me directly, the Ukrainian military and says, Hey, um, our ministry of defense, we've got needs. We have military units that don't have medical evacuation vehicles. Can you help us? And then also I get same thing from the fire department, the state emergency services or um, other fire uh, departments within this um, Ukraine. Hey, we need a fire engine. Hey, we need a, a chief's rig. Hey, we need, um, you know, an ambulance that we're going to use for something different. Um, and then I also just get, I get random uh, letters and emails to Chris, the ambulance guy. Um, and then they, and, and they, they say, Hey, I'm with this unit. This is where we're at. This is what we do. Um, can you help us? Or I've, because I've worked with so many people over the course of the year, people know and they're like, hey, you know, there's other this other unit needs a vehicle or it needs an ambulance or an SUV. Um, you know, can you help us? So as I'm preparing for this trip, I know where right now I know where every vehicle is going already before. In fact, as I'm filling out my spreadsheet, I've got a couple more needs and wants that I have. So if I can get me a couple more ambulances or a couple more SUVs, or even a fire engine, I know exactly where I'm going to plug that well, in. Well, we can do a call to action right at the end, Chris, so we can uh, and and uh, also use yep. that to uh, to help along. Um, I, I have a question though. So you've you've done the road drive. You've arrived in uh, Ukraine at the location in which you're going to drop off and hand over the keys. What sort of a reception? I mean, describe that moment for us. Well, I'll say this this uh, this last one was really cool because again, it was our bit largest convoy. We had 16 vehicles. I had fire engines. We took an American flag and we, you know, just like you would in any city fire department, we hung an American flag off the back of that rig. And then we hung a Ukrainian flag off the other side of the rig. So as we were, um, you know, by the, towards the back where the, uh, you know, we pulling the hose off. Um, and as we're rolling down the road, people would see this and I'd have cars coming up honking, give me a thumbs up. People on the side of the road would just stop and look. Um, whenever there was a um, place where there's a lot of people walking around pedestrian traffic, it would just come to a complete stop. And people would look up, kids would smile, they'd ask to turn, you know, that, you know, they'd make the signal to kind of make the lights go or turn on the, the siren. <laughs> and, and people just, it, people got to be normal people, not in a war zone for a little bit. It was just an amazing reception. We stopped in one place um, in Rivna, uh, about five hours inside of uh, Ukraine, and we, we stayed for a night. And the next day, we, I, I was uh, checking out the fire engines in this area. You know, we've got, we've got armed guys with AK-47s that are patrolling it around. And I'm doing some, some something on the engine, and, and a couple of kids wanted to, to look at it. And I offered, you know, like any other firefighter we do in any city department or any place, some kids walk around the fire engine. What's the first thing you want to do? You know, hey, you want to sit in the seat or you want to put the helmet on, right? So we put the first, put one kid in, got him out, put the second kid in, got him out. I turned around. 
I had 20 kids waiting to, to do that. <laughs> I went through those 20 kids and that 20 turned into a hundred. And then the entire day was basically every, it felt like the entire town came out to check out these fire engines. And they were, you know, pictures with the American flag with the Ukrainian flag. It was just a very cheerful, positive kind of thing. One of the most heartwarming kind of things I've ever experienced. And so, I mean, that, that was really cool. That was a really cool experience. Well, you've done your, your, your bit to lift the morale of that community. So I'm a kudos to you. Um, some of the, now I, I've seen images and actually we'll put some, if you're watching on video, you'll see some of these images on the, on the video version of this podcast. Uh, but some vehicles stay liveried in the, to, to the organization that donated them. So you can see, you know, X, Y, or Z ambulance service uh, in operation, but some have actually been camouflaged and are literally at the front lines, right? Yeah, that's correct. Actually, so this last ship, nine of the 10 are going to military units. So my guess is by now, most, if not all of them, have been um, camoed up. They, if, if they haven't, they've at least have their reflective stickers removed. Um, I'm getting, in fact, I got more pictures today of a few of the different ambulances that have, you know, received different kind of camo. And some of it's just a, you know, hey, we're painting it green or we're painting it kind of a gray or an olive drab. And others are like, oh, it's this pick that pixelated kind of digital kind of camo wrap. So it really just depends. But they, um, yeah, I mean, they, they are, um, you know, you mentioned you mentioned one of the ambulances that you signed when I was there in Ukraine, um, talking to some people, and, and and people can never verify anything because there's laws against talking about what's been destroyed and what hasn't and everything. Right. But I, I will tell you. Um, the shipment that included your the vehicle that you signed, um, I know I, I feel fairly confident now that several of those vehicles have been destroyed in combat. Crews have been killed, people have been wounded, um, and, and you know that's just the reality of what it is. Right. Um, I mean, that's, we knew that these vehicles are going to go for. So, um, it, it, and this is the first. I mean, and I had known that, but this was the first trip that I really I walked away really knowing that, and so. Um, you know, it, it, what it, it just underscores how, ne how needed they are because, you know, I mean, honestly, people I was talking to, they said, Hey, you, you could bring us a hundred ambulances and that wouldn't be enough just because, um, you know, and, and this is before the counteroffensive even started. So, you know, you talk about camo, you talk about camouflaging and you talk about the, you know, where are they going? You know, these 12 ambulances that I've got in this next event, they're all going, I mean, they're all going to the front line. I mean, they'll put, they'll be put right into it. And indeed, uh, I, I'm an old soldier of the medical services. And uh, as you advance in any advance to contact any conflict, then, of course, that evacuation chain line gets longer. And so you need, you know, your armoured vehicles at the front. You then exchange them across into soft skin slash wheel vehicles to get them back to a point of evacuation, particularly, you know, if the air situation is unfavourable or they don't have a lot of helicopters. And I'm not seeing many photographs of uh, many helicopters flying around. So I'm guessing it's a land evacuation. And so you're right. I think you need to, you know, think of a number and then triple it in terms of how many do you need. Yeah, and that's and I mean, and honestly, that's why one of the things that that's new about this next shipment is we've put an emphasis on SUVs, um, you know, those fire chief rigs, those EMS kind of, you know, how you yeah. might have like a paramedic kind of SUV rig, or even the law enforcement, you know, like the uh, kind of the, the law enforcement explorers that you see, you know, like if it's a California Highway Patrol or in, in my state, the Illinois State Patrol runs them. Um, because what what we're, and in fact, even my health system, they've given me two uh, Subaru Foresters all wheel drive. So we're gonna have that in the mix. And honestly, those will be the vehicles that'll be literally on the contact line, grabbing someone, throwing them in the back on a backboard, 
you know, with whatever kind of wounds he or she has suffered and then getting them to that battalion aid station where they'll receive whatever kind of stabilizing care they can get um, at the battalion aid station. And then from there, they'll be thrown in the back of these ambulances or a similar vehicle and then taken to a higher level of care. So that's kind of a, um, you know, the past has been the focus on the, the ambulances. The, the focus is still there, but I'm just expanding it a bit more to, to now get to those SUVs so that as the, you know, they're dealing more with an offensive kind of operation and they're in kind of a, you know, as they're moving forward into, you know, maybe unimproved roads and stuff, they've got the four wheel drive capacity or at least some all wheel drive capacity to get people out to back to the battalion aid stations. Excellent. And uh, we'll do a call to action in a second, Chris, but, uh, For everybody out there, don't forget, please like and subscribe. If you're listening to this on your iPhone via Amazon Music, look at the screen. There's a little plus or a check mark on there. Just give that a check because what happens is it means you subscribed and every time an episode of EMS One Stop comes out, it'll notify you so you you won't miss an absolute episode. So please like and subscribe. Also, uh, by all means, please leave any comments, concerns, questions, etc., uh, in the uh, in the notes uh, in the section on the social media platform that you're listening or watching this on. So uh, that's a little plug for EMS One Stop. I'm talking to Chris Manson, ambulances for Ukraine. Chris has uh, very uh, vividly. Uh, painted the picture of uh, the origin story, and of course, going forward to where we are now. And these vehicles are now heading literally towards the front line um we've heard sadly some vehicles have been lost in combat to to uh, enemy action um it's you know one of those one of those features of this type of conflict that uh, these vehicles may well be targeted as chris has indicated that they are so we need more right chris so what do you yeah. need and when do you i think i know when you need them but what do you need and when do you need them <laughs> well uh, first let me just say you know, I, you had me on last time and we had a great conversation. You've been supportive in, in a few different other ways and it's helped out. I mean, it's meaningfully helped out. We've gotten vehicles because of it. So thank you for You're the work welcome. that you've, you've done and, and, and for having me back. Um, but, but yeah, the reality of it is I, if people have got used ambulances, the only thing I ask, these things don't have to win a beauty contest. They just have to be operational. Um, all I need, I need an ambulance. I need, you know, SUVs. If you're a fire chief, if you're an EMS chief, or you know, your law enforcement, if you've got an SUV, an expedition, a Tahoe, you know, an Explorer, that type of vehicle. Um, again, operational. I need. If you got a fire engine, I've got fire. I've got fire departments. Even the military needs fire engines for their supply depots as they're being bombed. Um, so I, I need those kinds of vehicles. And when do I need them? I need them as soon as you know. If you've got them available. I'll take them. Um, I've got a shipment that's moving in the kind of third week in July-ish. Um, so if I can get a few more vehicles for that shipment, great. Um, it's a simple process. I work with a 501c3, a non-registered nonprofit, so it's good to go. Um, you can see our stuff on Twitter at the um, ambulances U, the letter U. You can see that. So you can just look at the documentation or you can see kind of what's been happening. And I promise you, the one thing I've tried to I, – I promise everyone – um, and I try to deliver this, and I, and I think we have. If anyone gives me an ambulance, a fire engine, or an SUV, I will get that vehicle into the fight, and unless it's supposed to go to a hospital or a fire department. But, I mean, if you give me the vehicle, I will get it to where it needs to go. You will get the proof of it. You will see the pictures. And I, literally, as I'm talking to you right now, I'm seeing things light up on my phone from one of the fire departments that got – I've got fire engines in Kharkiv. I've got fire engines in Odessa. Um, I've got fire engines in, at a naval base south of odessa and i'm just my phone's lighting up with some pictures and videos and stuff like that and 
you give me a vehicle, I'll get it into the fight. And instead of, you know, basically giving it to someone that's going to turn it into a camper for a couple thousand bucks or letting it rot, I'll give it a second life. It'll have a glorious life and it'll, you know, it'll do its thing one more time. And it'll be really, if you could see the level of appreciation that these people have when I bring these vehicles to town, I mean, I've brought, I've brought Ford E350s with 300,000 miles on them. Um, and yeah, the steering was a little loose, but it was still a great vehicle and just an amazing, amazing vehicle. ATEC ambulance gave it to me. And man, these guys from Ukraine were just all over. They thought it was the best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> and they, I mean, they just loved it and it, it, because they didn't have anything before. And now they've got this, ve- they've got this vehicle. They've got a gurney, even a, you know, a, a manual striker or Ferno cot. They've got, you know, sh- they've got a, a vehicle built to do what they needed to do. And it just, you know, for however long that vehicle is going to be alive, it's going to be serving its purpose and it's going to be helping people. So there's my call to action, I guess. And, and I, I was just going to come back. I'm, I'm, I, it, I seem to recall watching many videos now of, you know, the, the Ukrainians seem very good at fixing anything, whether it's a T-72 tank that just pulled off the battlefield or, you know, an, an old tractor that just sort of happens to be going past that. Uh, so to your point about it, it doesn't have to be, you know, absolutely pristine because I've got a funny feeling they've got the right wrench to fix anything as soon as it arrives there. Oh, you know, let me tell you something. We had, I, I, we drove a 75 foot snorkel, a pure snorkel in. We drove, um, that ended up, we ended up, uh, the, the brakes stuck. We ended up fixing that on the side of the road. We ended up slicing a tire on a, on a Spartan fire engine. We got that taken care of and replaced on the side of a road. Yeah. There's the, we, we've had to jerry rig batteries and find other batteries and do some interesting wiring. It's not an issue. So like, like I said, if your vehicle, all I need, if, it helps if your vehicle is operational and good mechanical shape to start off with. But, but I promise you don't, you don't have to worry about what, oh, geez, it's an American ambulance or American fire engine versus, you know, European standards. You don't have to worry about that. The, I mean, I've seen, my, I've seen all, all the fire engines, I've seen them flow water. They're all doing their thing and they're, they're doing great stuff and the ambulances are doing great stuff too. So I'll make sure this message goes out, Chris, on not only EMS one, but fire rescue one and police one. So firefighters, cops and medics, listen, if you've got a previously enjoyed fire truck, ambulance or police cruiser, or if you're a a fire chief or a battalion chief and you think your your SUV could go to a new home, um, even if it's been previously enjoyed, believe me, Chris will love it and we'll get it there. And as Chris said, and I'm going to use this going forward, Chris, we're going to get it into the fight. That's exactly it. That's, I mean, that's, I'm telling you what, that's what it's all about is just getting these vehicles into the fight. And, um, and again, you know, you give me your vehicle and, you know, these vehicles do a great, a great service in the United States. They've got a little more life in them and they can save a few more lives. And that's what we're trying to do. So this is my plug of how I convert the audio listeners to video watchers. Uh, If you're watching on video, you would have already seen some of the great images that Chris has given us for this episode. Or if you're listening, of course, just go back, visit EMS One. You can click on uh, the YouTube link and uh, you can uh, watch this again. Uh, with all the images that Chris has given us, and uh, I think it really enhances everything. So that's trying to do a, trying to do a video display through an audio channel there, Chris. But uh, so let's try and convert our our listeners yeah. to watchers in this case, because I think you've given us some really great images to look at. Um, my final Rob ending question, Chris, is there anything I've forgotten to ask, or anything you want to tell us? No, I mean just look. At the end of the day, um, 
the thing the thing I'll leave everybody with is the people in America are incredibly generous. I mean, I knew being part of the fire service, you know, if it's fire, EMS, law enforcement, great group of people. And the one thing maybe I, I just leave with besides the fact that I need these vehicles is everyone that's in this community should be incredibly proud of, of, of the community that they're a part of, because I'll tell you, um, I've seen people all across the country just rally around this at the drop of a hat, a simple phone call, um, an email, and just do everything they can to help out. So um, I just have a lot of gratitude for, for, for everyone for the support that they provided. And again, I just think everyone should just, you know, you know, we hear so many negative things all the time. Maybe just take a moment and there's a lot of good people doing a lot of good things. And, uh, you know, the support that I received for this effort is just, again, I think very indicative of that. So I have nothing but gratitude and appreciation for being here and talking to you and being able to share this, this message with firefighters and paramedics and EMTs and, and law enforcement. So thanks. So everybody do something good for a really great cause. Uh, contact time, Chris, how can we follow the program? How can we get in touch? And more importantly for all you out there listening, how can you donate your appliance to Chris and go? <laughs> well, I'll drive my employer crazy. Why just the uh, easiest thing is just send me an email. You can do it at Christopher.m as in Michael.manson at OSFhealthcare.org. Um, or you can find me at on Twitter. You can find U.S. Ambulances for Ukraine on Twitter. It's ambulances, plural, and the letter U. Ambulances, U. And I'm on Twitter. And either way, you can find me and uh, won't shouldn't be a problem. Excellent. Well, uh, once again, Chris, I hope you come back in another six months' time and we can talk about uh, many, many more ambulances, fire trucks, cruisers, battalion chief vehicles, and all uh, that we've uh, managed to send down range. So uh, for the minute... Chris, thank you so much and uh, continued good luck to you. Thank you very much. So that's uh, my great guest, Chris Manson. Uh, don't forget, uh, again, like and subscribe. Uh, make sure that uh, you give that uh, give that box a check. Uh, you can follow me always on Twitter at UKRobL1. And also I'm over on LinkedIn. You can uh, click on the friend request there. Uh, and that way I also repost all of the stuff that we do on social media. Um, that's been another great uh, EMS one-stop. But I'm so pleased to have had Chris back on as my guest. And so that's it for this week. Uh, and so uh, looking forward to talking to you again really, really soon. Until then, my guest was Chris Manson. I've been Rob Lawrence. And until next time, bye for now. <laughs>